Well, welcome to Newport Church at Home Online. So glad you could join us, whether you're joining us locally or in another part of the United States or another part of the world. We're so glad that you could be with us today. I pray that the worship and the message today and all that we share with you in this service will cause faith to rise in your hearts. A sense that God is with you, God is for you, and that there is nothing that is too hard for God to, to work in that you're facing this week, this month, and in the days ahead. So thankful you can join us, and I pray that God would really inspire you and, and cause your faith to grow in this coming few minutes or this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Sunday, Newport Church. We're so thankful that we can still gather together and worship God, um, even from our own homes and wherever you're at. I want to invite you into this time of worship as we remember God as our Father, as our faithful friend, as our advocate, our counselor. Um, so as we go into this time of worship, let's lean into the Father's arms and know and trust that He is faithful throughout all the ages. Amen. of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to
sing this together. I put my faith. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. Sing it again. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. Jesus Christ, my 
death could not death could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the boast of sin and grace the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you Father, we're so thankful for uh, this time of worship and we thank you that you are with us, that you never fail us, you never forsake us. That's your promise to us. And we thank you that your word declares if God be for us, who can be against us. I pray for every person listening, whatever challenges they're going through, if there's sickness, if there's financial difficulties, relational difficulties, whatever it may be, I pray that you would show yourself strong and that you would do what only you can do through the power of your spirit in each one of our lives, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I want to continue our time of worship with uh, uh, taking a few moments to focus on our giving, our generosity, and uh, we're so thankful for your partnership. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. One of the things that I've learned over the years of following Jesus and uh, is that God is faithful. 
And God is a giver. And God will always meet us at our point of need. And our generosity is really uh, an expression of trust. It's an expression of partnership with God. It's an expression of our thankfulness and our gratitude. And so I'm praying that as you give, God will bless you. He'll do what he promises to do. Open the windows of heaven. Multiply the seed you sow as we give our donations, our tithes, and our offerings. And as we prepare to do that, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to watch a short video that I know will inspire you greatly. Father, I thank you for every person who is moved to give. For those, I pray that you would cause us to have a revelation of your promises uh, and, and just such a sense of the privilege of being able to give and make a difference in other people's lives. Thank you that because of our giving, lives are being changed through our online service, through our ministry in, in the neighborhood, through our ability to meet people at their point of need. And I thank you for all that you are about to do and all that you will do in the lives of those who give and express the generosity that we have that comes from you, who are our generous, faithful, loving God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. not what your country can do for you. The time to build is upon us. All the nations shall find blessing. The common language of science. Is your heart right? Peace on earth, that implies no violence. There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. Poverty is our freedom and our strength. We are taking care of nearly 46,000 lepers. There is always there's one more bed, one more plate of rice, one more blanket to cover. And we are trying to bring that love and peace and joy to our neighbor and to to the, in the street we live, in the town we live, and then again to the whole world. And I think love begins at home. Take one person, individual person, one person at a time. We can serve only one at a time. We can love only one at a time. Yet the whole world, though we are, it sounds so big and so much and all that, yet it is but only a drop in the ocean. But if we didn't do that little drop, that ocean would be one drop less. Help somebody in their own family first and then next door neighbor. Vocation is belonging to Christ. The work is only a means to put our love for Christ into action. The work is not my work. It is the work of us all and you and me because it is his work
Happy Sunday. I love home. Home is my greatest passion. The house of God, our own family home, the family home I grew up in. And part of my passion is making sure that home is beautiful. A number of years ago, I changed my communication to not talk about cleaning and tasks and getting things done. But I used the phrase home beautiful because that's the end goal. And, you know, today I want to talk about trash. <laughs> I want to talk about the dishwasher. I want to talk about things that take such little time and produce so much peace. Because again, having a beautiful home, it's not about ornaments and size and spaciousness. It's about having an atmosphere of care. It's having an atmosphere of value. And it takes approximately two minutes to empty a dishwasher, just so you know, and less than a minute to take the trash out. Um, so in our home, we don't have fights about such things. I love taking care of um, the kitchen. I love taking care of the laundry. I've talked about laundry before. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we can create a war zone in our homes over things that don't matter, over things like, you know, socks left on the ground or toothpaste tubes left on the bathroom sink or a cup left in the sink. Here's my thing. Either talk to the person who is upsetting you about it, which most people don't want to do that unless you're confrontational and you love that kind of stuff. Um, or just do it because honestly, it's not worth losing your peace over. Peace is everything. And if every single one of us uh, were to take responsibility for a peaceful atmosphere in our homes, again, whether that's sharing a room where, or you know, in an apartment or in a very spacious place with lots of people or with no people, if we take personal responsibility for the atmosphere of peace in our homes, it changes everything. First of all, it changes us. It changes the people that we live with. And it definitely changes um, everything for the people who come into our presence, in our homes, in our space. And they will notice the fact that home is beautiful because there is an atmosphere of peace. God bless you. Let's be peace makers and peace keepers. I love you, bye. Well, we're continuing with our series, We've Never Been This Way Before, and our key text is in Joshua 3, verse one. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. The people of God had never been this way before. We have never been this way before. We've never experienced a, a time like this. And in this passage of scripture, there are keys that we've been looking at 
And just to recap a couple of those right now, God gave them some keys on how they should know which way to go, how they should know how to transition into this new season. And the title of this message today is The Future is Shaped by the Way that We Transition. So God said to them three things that we've already looked into in recent weeks. Number one, keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on God. Secondly, let God's word be your roadmap. And then thirdly, continue to take steps of faith because everywhere you place your feet, God said, I will give to you. And then God told them, he said, I've been carrying you in the wilderness for 40 years. He said, now what I was doing for you, I need you to start to do for yourselves. I'm going to be with you. I'll go before you, but you're going to need to do these things for yourselves. Number one, you're going to have to walk for yourselves. I'm not going to carry you anymore. Number two, you're going to have to feed yourselves. I'm not going to feed you anymore. Thirdly, you're going to have to fight your battles. I'm not going to fight them for you. I'll be with you, but I'm not going to fight them for you. You're going to have to manage the land for yourselves. I've been managing everything for you now. I want you to take the initiative to manage the land that I'm giving you. And then fifthly, I establish your identity in the wilderness. Now I want you to establish your identity for yourselves in the land so that you can be the people that I created you to be in the midst of all of the cultures, all of the many gods of the land, so that you can be an expression of the blessedness of serving God. They were going to have to transition in ways that were going to challenge them to the very core. And their future was going to be determined by and shaped by the way that they transitioned. We are all going to have to transition into a whole new post-COVID world in these coming months. We've had to transition from a pre-COVID-19 world into what we're experiencing now with six months of lockdown and restrictions and, and all sorts of protocols necessary to contain the spread of the virus. But we're going to be coming out of this. We're going to be coming into a new season. And so just as we had to transition from a pre-COVID world to a world where COVID has turned our world upside down, now we're going to have to navigate how are we going to take these steps into this new season? How are we going to transition into a post-COVID world? We're going to have to stir up some things that maybe have become dormant. We're going to have to exercise muscle that maybe we haven't exercised during this season. We're going to have to transition so that we can make the most of the opportunities that lie before us. And there are so many significant lessons that we can learn from the transition of the people of God into the promised land. The journey of faith that all of us embark on is, is filled with challenges but it's also filled with opportunities. It's filled with all sorts of roadblocks, diversions, pitfalls. But at the same time, the walk of faith is filled with miracles and, and victories and breakthroughs. And where there are setbacks, God 
gives us the opportunity to have a, a comeback. And so we are all the time in our journey of faith having to negotiate and navigate and transition uh, through many of the challenges and difficulties that we see expressed in the nation of Israel. And we not only have to do that individually, but we also have to do that as a part of a community of faith. God created us to live in community. God created us to do life together. We are better together. And the church is his community of faith. And as a church, we can see ways that we can transition, not only individually, but collectively into a new season where God will bring new opportunities and God will bring us into a season when we can experience what he has for us in the days ahead. It's not going to be the same as it was before. The, the world has been forever changed. And so we need to learn how to navigate into this season and transition so that we can make the most of the opportunities that lie before us. In this story, we see a transition from one generation to the other. The generation that was going into the promised land had been born in the wilderness. And they were now going to be the generation that was going to go into the promised land and take hold of all that God had promised to the previous generation that had failed to follow God's word, had failed to go in and possess the land. And so there was a transition to a new generation. How important it is that we always have a generational mindset, that we're not just thinking about ourselves, but we're thinking about the next generation that are coming through. Doesn't matter how young you are, there's another generation that's coming through. And, and uh, it's amazing how quickly the years go by. It's amazing how quickly the new generations emerge and God wants every one of us to have a generational mindset so that we're not just thinking about our generation, but we're thinking about the next generation. And we may think we are the new generation, but all we've got to do is turn around and look and see there's another generation that's coming up of young people, that of, of children and youth and young people that are coming through and emerging that are so full of potential. And so this was so fundamentally important that the nation, if they were going to possess the promise, if they were going to fulfill God's purpose for their life, that they were generational in their thinking. The other thing was that they were at a significant crossroads. The, the big question as they were on the east side of the Jordan River was, were they going to do what God had told them to do? Would they take their go their own way or would they go God's way? Would they enter the promised land and would they possess the full extent of what God had promised to them? Would they forget God? Would they lean to their own understanding or would they lean towards God for his wisdom? And so this was a significant crossroads for them as a people. And it was a critical time of decision as well. Moses had said to them before he had died, he said, choose life or death. The choice is yours. And, and Joshua 
said the same things. He, he, he told the people of God, he said, decide who you're going to serve. It's decision time. And your decision is going to either fortify your position and your strength, or it's going to undermine it. And this is what God said. But if you refuse, uh, uh, Joshua said rather, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? That is the land of Canaan. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That was one of the keys to Joshua's strength. He was totally committed. He was totally focused on serving God and having decided who he would serve, that settled with finality every other question when it came to uh, fulfilling what God had asked him to do. This was a critical time of decision. Significant questions would be asked. Important evaluations would have to be made. Necessary adjustments would be made. And how true that is of us today. We, we need to be asking ourselves significant questions about what the future is going to look like, about the necessary evaluations that we need to make, about any necessary adjustments that we need to make because our world is, has rapidly changed in these last few months. How are we going to respond? How are we going to step into all that lies before us? So it was a significant day. It was a significant moment. And I want to take some time today and in the coming couple of weeks to look at some of these transitions, some of the key tr transitions that the people of God had to make and, and look at them from a biblical perspective and apply them to our lives. I want to share a teaching that, that was part of uh, a time of study that I had in the nation of Israel uh, back in the late 80s. And it was a very, uh, very significant time for me as I was able to study the Bible in the land of the Bible, the place where the biblical drama unfolded. And there were some, some great truths that really helped me to understand the Bible in a way that I never had before. And so I want to share some of those thoughts with you today. And when we look at the Bible, and when we look at the story of the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation, the story of the Bible is basically told on two stages. Simply speaking, these two stages are where God's interaction with man takes place, where the stories of the Bible unfold. And, and to a large degree, these two stages on which the story of the Bible unfolds relate to the stages of life that we find ourselves in. And they are, in a sense, the two extremes that we find in life that we either live in or we live between. And there's a significant contrast between the two. And it's on these two stages that the, we find the nation of Israel transitioned in and out of their history. 
the geography of the Bible not only provides us a natural landscape, but it provides us a spiritual landscape. So many of the stories of the Bible can only be fully interpreted and understood with the knowledge of the land. And all those who wrote the stories in the Bible wrote them from the perspective that there was an expectation that people understood the geography of the land because the message was so closely connected to the land. The connection between the nation of Israel and their land was and is inseparable. God's promise to Abraham was a, a land, a nation, and a promise of the Messiah. And so these are fundamentally important. And as Israel crossed from the right side of the Jordan River to the left side of the Jordan River, there were many transitions that they were going to have to negotiate. There was a shift that was going to be required. There was a shift that was not only geographical because the landscape of their lives was so totally different from going from the desert into a land of milk and honey, a land that was fertile. But it was also a shift that was going to impact every single area of their lives. Everything was going to change. Geographically, things were going to change. Their social structure was going to have to change. Their religious structure and their place of worship and places of worship were going to have to change. Simply put, the two stages can be referred to as the right stage and the left stage. The right stage is if you were to draw a line down the nation of Israel where the Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee and above the Sea of Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea, the right stage would be everything to the right of the Jordan River. The left stage would be everything to the left of the Jordan River. And these were the two geographical stages of the biblical drama. And we're going to explore the spiritual significance of those two stages for the nation of Israel and for us. What was going to happen when they crossed from the right stage into the left stage? How were they going to respond socially, culturally, spiritually to the, their new environment? And the greatest challenge that they were going to face was not just the seven nations that were going to oppose them, but, but the abundance that they were going to encounter, the blessing that they were going to encounter, the fruitfulness that they were going to encounter. And in fact, the, once their enemies had been defeated, the tendency for them to no longer depend on God was going to be far greater than it had been before. And so as we look at this, I want to look at the first of these transitions from the right stage in the desert to the left stage in the land flowing with milk and honey. First of all, it was a transition from scarcity and hardship to abundance and ease. On the right stage in the desert, it was a place of, of scarcity, of hardship. Whereas when they crossed over the Jordan River, onto the left stage, 
It was a stage of abundance and it was going to be a place of ease once they had defeated their enemies. This is what God said in Deuteronomy 11, 7 to 12. Therefore, you shall keep my commandment, which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. So God is saying, you're going to be crossing over from the right stage where you've experienced the harshness of the desert. You've experienced the hardship and scarcity of the desert where you've had to rely totally upon me, upon God for your dependence um, and depend on God for your survival. But you're going to go into the left stage. It's a land of milk and honey. It's a land that's flowing with blessing. So it's interesting that they went from one setting to another and it was going to change everything for them. The uh, typical uh, livelihood of people who lived on the right stage was one of shepherds. The, uh, and of course, the shepherds uh, would tend their flocks in the uh, sparse, harsh environment of the desert. Whereas on the left stage, most people on the left stage were farmers. And farm, farming was the pastime and the occupation of people who lived on the left stage. And, and here's the comparison between the right stage and the left stage. Uh, if we had to break it down, the, the right stage, which was a, an environment of scarcity and hardship, was dry and arid with very little rainfall. It was a place that was inhabited by shepherds. The left stage, which was a stage of abundance and ease, was wet rather than dry. There was plenty of rainfall. And rather than it being inhabited by shepherds as the right stage, it was inhabited by farmers. The right stage was sparsely populated. The left stage was densely populated. The right stage was quiet and lonely. The left stage was noisy and busy. So they were going to have to transition from going from an environment that was dry, sparsely populated, quiet and lonely into an environment where there was rainfall, where there were farms, densely populated, noisy and busy. And so they were going to have to make that transition from the right stage to the left stage. It's interesting that as you look at the nation of Israel and you look at their, their, the, the spirituality and their spiritual connection with God, that whenever they were in the right stage, in that place of hardship, in that place of scarcity, in that arid, dry, lonely, 
quiet place, that the spiritual quotient in their life went right up. But when they transitioned into a place of abundance and a place of ease where that was noisy, busy, where there were a lot of distractions, there was abundance, there, were, uh, 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 there was a lot of things that could uh, divert them, their spiritual quotient dropped. In other words, the people leaned towards God, cried out to God, reached out to God, were closer to God during the times of hardship than they were during times of abundance. That's a powerful lesson for all of us. The reality is that when we come into or come back into a season, maybe when some of the things that we're not able to do now, we're able to do some of the uh, diversions or things that we enjoy or some of the distractions that we had in the past uh, become more prominent. We need to be careful that where our spiritual quotient doesn't drop, but that actually we remain dependent upon God, we remain close to God, and, and that we don't, we, we don't allow those things and those times of abundance, times of ease to, to distract us from our relationship with God. It's a very interesting thing that most of the prophets in the Old Testament actually came out of the desert, if you like, came out of the right stage, came out of the wilderness. Remember, John the Baptist was referred to as a voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist came out of the right stage. Moses came out of 40 years in the wilderness. That's where he had an encounter with God on the burning bush. David spent so much of his, many of his early years tending sheep uh, on the right stage uh, and, and drawing close to God and, and, and writing and singing many of his psalms. And of course, spent those years fleeing from Saul on the right stage. Um, Abraham came from the right stage and lived uh, essentially much of his life on the right stage. Of course, Jesus began his ministry from the right stage. He went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and began his ministry. So the, we, we find that the majority of the prophets came from the right stage. And that's where they had their encounter with God. And there's something about the human soul is that when we're in times of hardship, when we're going through difficult times, then actually that's when we remain closest to God. And if you look at the, at the story of the nation of Israel, you can see this movement that when they were in the right stage, a time of hardship and difficulty, they, they cried out to God. They were closer to God. But as soon as they moved into the left stage, where they were experiencing abundant and ease, they forgot God. And that's why God had said to them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 to 4, when the Lord brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, 
be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow the other gods, the gods of the people around you. That was God's warning to them. God knew that when they went from hardship to abundance, when they went from lack to plenty, that their tendency was going to be to forget him, to rely upon their own strength, and that their relationship with him would be adversely affected by the blessing that they had come into. When you look at the nation of Israel, you find that when they forgot God, God brought them into the judgment that God brought them, brought to them was to take them out of the left stage of abundance and ease to take them into captivity. So the nation of Israel were taken into captivity by Assyria, essentially from the left stage to the right stage to restore their relationship with him. And then he allowed them to return back to the left stage. Same with the nation of Judah. He took them from their idolatry into captivity to the, by the Babylonians. And then they returned to the land. Once they turned to God, he brought them back. Um, again, after Jesus' ministry, the, the judgment that came upon the nation of Israel when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and they were exiled and taken out of the land before returning many centuries later. It seems that the movement of the Bible has always been from right stage to left stage to right stage to left stage and that God used those times and those seasons to cause people's hearts to turn towards him. And here, I think we, we come to the most fundamental thing that, 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 that we can draw from this is that God wants us to live on the left stage in abundance with a right stage attitude and a right stage spirituality. In other words, God wants us to experience the fruitfulness and the blessing that he wants to bring to his children as a father would to any child. But he wants us to live in that abundance and in that blessing with an attitude, a right stage attitude of dependence upon him and that we do not allow the blessing to draw us away from our dependence on him, our love for him, our faithfulness to him, our desire to serve him, and our commitment to partnering with him and seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. God's will was for us to live on the left stage with a right stage attitude. And God told his people, um, he said, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe the law, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. And he reiterates again, when you come into that blessing, do not forget God. Israel's future was being shaped by the way they transitioned from hardship and scarcity. 
to uh, abundance and ease. And it was so important for them that God continually reminded them, don't forget, keep leaning into me, keep trusting me, keep depending on me. But we see that time and time again, they were diverted, they were distracted, and they forgot. And as a result of it, they were not able to enjoy the blessing in the way that God wanted them to, because God was more committed to his relationship with them than he was to blessing them if it turned them away from him. I think this is such a great uh, example for all of us right now in this particular season. Obviously, the last six months with COVID-19 and the impact that it's had on us and on people all around the world has changed the landscape of our lives. The stage upon which we have experienced the last six months has shifted and changed. And in a sense, one could say that this has been a right stage experience. It's been a hard time. It's been a difficult time. It's been a time when uh, we've been in lockdown. And so in many ways is that right stage experience. But as we transition into the left stage, as we transition into those days and months and years that uh, are ahead and we don't know when things are going to change, but as things change and as we uh, transition, it's so important that we keep those lessons that we've learned and keep learning those lessons now about this season and this time is a time of drawing closer to God, of us coming to a, into a place of even greater dependence on him and in the silence and maybe even some isolation and the loneliness and, and the difficulty of this time and season that God would do something deep inside of us because it's in these times that we see time and time again in the word of God the impact of the right stage on elevating the spiritual tone, on, on causing that our spiritual quotient to grow. Let this be a time of growth in this season, in this right stage environment, but let's make sure that we take it into this new season, remaining dependent upon God, firmly fixed on his focus, flexing the muscle that maybe we haven't been needing to use right now, in our re-entry into our community as a church, into church life, into serving again. And let's, let's believe that the transition that we make will shape a better future for us all. I pray that this word encourages you and even the concept of the right and left stage give a greater understanding of the stages upon which we experience our life and upon which the biblical drama unfolds. I'd love to pray for you as we close, um, and, and especially for people who've never ever made a decision to accept Christ as their Savior. And if you have never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me that will transform your life. When it comes to our salvation, there's nothing that we can do to gain uh, to earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to bridge the gap between us and God. The gap is too big, it's too wide, but Jesus came to bridge that gap. He died on the cross 
so that we could be restored to relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And also so that we could live with His Spirit on the inside of us and that we could live with a sense of purpose and destiny. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. And I know that it will transform and change your life. God will hear your prayer and He will answer your prayer today. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I open my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning and I believe I will never be the same again. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you pray that prayer, going up on our screens, there are a number of different ways that you can uh, connect with us and we can connect with you and help you take the next step in your Christian walk. So glad you made that decision and believing God for the very best for each and every one of you. I want to pray now for all that have been listening. Father God, I pray uh, that your word would resonate in our hearts and would be rich in our hearts. I pray that you would help us to stay close to you, to lean into you, to depend upon you. And in this season, Lord, to know your strength and your grace so that as we transition out into the weeks and months ahead, that we would come uh, into that season and transition into it with a powerful sense of your grace, your provision, and connected to you and your divine purpose as we move into all that you have ahead for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory for you. Now and for
We're so glad you could join us today. Um, and of course, we had an awesome worship and communion night last night, Saturday, uh, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the front of our church building. We'd love you to join us for the next one. In a couple of weeks, we'll be giving you information and keeping you updated with that. Um, but we pray that God would richly bless you and um, that this week uh, you'll know God's favor, you'll know God's provision in a, in a special way. So thank you for being with us. And I pray that the Lord would bless you, that he would make his face to shine upon you, that he would keep you, be gracious to you now and evermore. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.